You'll be glad to know that this is going to be a short <laughs> sermon, so to speak. Uh, I do not have to talk uh, very long. But we continue to enjoy our studies in the Feast of Jehovah. Um, I didn't even test this slide, so if there is anything that is wrong, I just apologize in advance. As we have always studied, I am not going to tire to repeat these words that we always start with. In Hosea chapter, chapter 12, the reason I keep on emphasizing this is the whole purpose, the reason why I felt we need to talk about these subjects is so that we can appreciate the manifold wisdom that is in the word of God. And the fact that the Old Testament is alive to a New Testament believer, as the New Testament is. That many of the things, many of the treasures of God, they are hidden in the Old Testament. And we ought as students and as disciples to invest time to look into these things. And I am merely scratching the surface. Every time we come together as believers... We are just appetizing you. We just touch your lips for you to go in your own special time and to um, study these things on your own. One of the things and one of the benefits of being married is that I get encouraged every evening because now I've got somebody to discuss with. I know she's miles away, but every evening we open scripture if she's not doing night shifts. We open scripture and we discuss this thing. And it's amazing. It's amazing the things that Sharon comes up with and the things that I come up with and then we sharpen each other and we, we, we get encouraged and, 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 and changes me in many ways that are otherwise I wouldn't have been. So it is always an encouragement to do these things in your private times at home. Here, we're just here for 30 minutes. We're just going to talk about this about 30 minutes. But hereafter, You'll be on your own. So we still remind ourselves that uh, God spoke in times past through his prophets through these similitudes. So we're just looking at those similitudes uh, through the feast of Jehovah. And we also do know that he's spoken to us to say whatsoever those things were written in our time were written for our learning. So we continually remind ourselves of these verses as we go uh, through these lessons. We remind ourselves of the seven feasts that we've already talked about, and uh, we have progressed. We're now on the second half of the feast. As you can see, the heading, the blowing of trumpets, is the feast and number uh, five. So it's the fifth of the seven feasts of Jehovah that we're going to be looking at. But before we go to the next one, let us remind ourselves very quickly of those that we've already uh, spoken of. Do you remember uh, the feast of uh, the Passover, which is the first feast? which is in the first month of Abibi. We also have uh, discussed this and seen that this is all in, the, it's all in history. It is now in the past. The Jew looking at this, they have already observed this. And yet for us New Testament believers, we do also know, we do not have to guess that this has been fulfilled in our Lord Jesus Christ. Am I in the way of anybody? In First Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, for even Christ is our Passover uh, and is sacrificed for us. And the second feast we do remember is of the unleavened bread uh, to the Jew as they woke up from the, um, from the 
Uh, Passover, they observed this, not knowing what it meant to us, and to them is something that has already happened, and if they look at it, they think to themselves of their departure from, 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 from Egypt. But to us as well, we know that this has been also uh, high, very clearly articulated to us by the word of God himself, that therefore let us keep the feast, not with old living, neither with the living of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of, um, uh, of sincerity and truth. So it tells to us, it speaks to us as New Testament believers, to our lives, speaks to our lives, how we ought to live, not with, with leavened bread in our midst. And we speak of the third f- f- uh, feast, which is the feast of uh, first fruits. Also, again, this, the Jews looking at this from the Old Testament is something that they practiced and is already in the past, something that is already occurred, uh, but we also do know to the scriptures that this has also been fulfilled and to us as well as we saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, and then afterwards that uh, Christ at his coming. Last week, uh, we, speak, we spoke of the Feast of Weeks. This is the fourth, the middle feast. And as we spoke, we, do, we did realize that this is the last um, uh, feast before a long, long break. And during this time, during this time, there is not much in the way of God's ordained activities or feasts. And during this time in the practical life of a Jew, there is the gathering of crops. They are doing the harvest. And we also did uh, intimate that this is not by chance. This pause is God's indication to us, a similitude, so to speak, of the pause that we are in now in the present day. And during this time, there is a harvest that is happening. We don't see it yet, but there is people that are being harvested. We are the evidence of that in this room tonight. We are saved, and God is still saving. And as a result, the church is growing. We are in the church age. There isn't much really in terms of God's program, that is of exceptional note other than the growing of the church. After this, we now move to the fifth feast, which is the blowing of the trumpets. Now, these are just a few verses that we're going to read from Leviticus chapter 23, Verses 23 to 25. You can follow it in your, in your Bible or you can read from the, screen, from the screen. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh day, in the first day of the month, shall ye have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, and holy convocation. You shall do no silver work therein, but you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. That's just about it, really, uh, that Leviticus 23 talks about as far as 
this feast is concerned. What is interesting, this particular feast is on the seventh month of the religious calendar. But you'd remember when we spoke about, uh, about the Passover, when we began, that when God instituted the Passover, he said to the Jews, this is going to be your first month. So God abruptly reorganized the Jewish calendar. So according to the religious calendar, we are now in month seven, but in the civic calendar, we are in the first month. This is the first month of the civic calendar. So this is the equivalent of around the autumn time thereabout. And let us see what the Lord says about this particular feast, the blowing of trumpets. I just thought we would look at a... This is Numbers chapter 10. I did apologize in advance. Um, so let us look at what, ignore what it says at the top there. It's Numbers chapter 10. You can follow it in your Bible from Numbers chapter 10. Let's look at what these trumpets were all about. How were these trumpets used by the Jews? This particular feast is sort of a strange one in the sense that it had no direct link to the experience of the Jews, so to speak. It's unlike the Passover where they could, they could, they could, they could point to exit from, from, from Egypt. It's, 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 it's unlike um, um, uh, the first fruit where they could directly point uh, to, 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 to the harvest or, or, or unleavened bread where they could point to, 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 to the exit from, from Exodus as they left in a hurry. This particular feast seems to be just dropped in the middle of nowhere and God just commands them to blow trumpets. And then let's look at, to try and get an idea of what God is trying to say about those trumpets. It's always good to interpret scripture with scripture. So let us look at how the trumpets were used according uh, to the word of God. In Numbers chapter 10, and when they shall blow with them, all the assembly shall assemble themselves to thee at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And verse 4, if they blow but with one trumpet, then the princes, which are the heads of the thousands of Israel, shall gather. Verse 5, when you blow an alarm, then the camps shall, that lie on the east, east, east pass shall go forward. And verse 9, if you go to war, in your land against the enemy that oppresseth you, then you shall blow an alarm with the trumpets. And then verse 10, also in the day of your gladness and in your solemn days and in the beginnings of your months, you shall blow the trumpets. So now we are beginning to see a pattern of the use of God's trumpets. Maybe we can pause for a little moment and then just look at these one by one for ourselves. What does it mean to us today? What can we draw from these particular instances where the trumpets are mentioned or are described to have been used? Now there is debate as to which trumpets exactly because if you looked in, in Numbers chapter 10, there is specific trumpets that God um, instructed for the Israelis Israelis or the Jews to make. 
but it's not very clear which ones are yours, but that is beside the point. What we want to draw, draw at, whether it was the shofar or whether it was the, the golden trumpet, it, it, it doesn't matter. But we're, try, we're going to try and look at lessons that we can draw from some of these uh, instructed use of trumpets. We saw that in the first instance, the trumpet was blown to call people to an assembly. I think this tells to us today that we are called not according to man's designs, but we are called to come together in accordance to scripture. So we cannot just approach God in any way that we like. We are going through Corinthians at the moment, looking at some of the errors that were in the church. People doing things that they liked. But God instructed Israel and gave them the trumpets that would instruct them when they ought to come to God, according to him, not when they felt like. We also saw that the trumpets were also blown for the leadership to come to God to receive counsel. There is counsel in the house of God, isn't it? There is instruction. The leaders, they came to God to receive instruction. There is instruction that God has laid down in his church to us, New Testament believers. And therefore, we ought to approach God and we ought to run his affairs according to his instruction. It was important that when God wanted to communicate to the people, they would come to him and know how or what they ought to do. So similarly, how do we run God's house whilst we're still here? We need to be listening to God and receiving instruction from him so that we can do things according to his will. Thirdly, the trumpet are also blown to move forward. We are not blown, we're not, we're not saved to be stagnant, to be in one place. Remember, Israel would sit and be comfortable, sometimes in the desert, and they would sit in one place, and God would say, these people have tarried too long. It's time to move. Because what they tend to or what we easily tend to forget or can tend to forget is that we haven't arrived home yet. And Israel sometimes they'll be comfortable in the desert in the provisions of manna and all the, the, the meat that God was providing, providing them in the desert and they thought they'd arrived to their destination and God would have to move them on because God wanted them to progress towards the promised land. Equally, we ought to be moving on if you are in the same place that you were now, that you were last year or the year before, brother and sister, let us encourage one another to move forward. Maybe you ought to start your own home Bible study. Maybe you ought to meet with believers more often. Maybe you ought to stir up your gift that you are sitting on. Maybe you ought to obey more 
what the Lord has been telling you in your heart. If you are anything like me, sometimes the voice is almost as loud as almost audible in my heart. And I can know that God wants me to do this. But I would look for any excuse under the sun. I totally sympathize with Moses. But God wants us to move forward. He wants us to progress as his children. Number four, to mark different seasons. We ought to esteem and reverence God's ordained practices. What was the characteristic of the first church? They prayed together. They broke bread together. They encouraged themselves in the apostles' doctrine. They were in each other's houses. Those are good practices. We ought to esteem them. We ought to be habitually engaged in those practices. They are good for us. Fifth, to battle. The trumpet was blown to go to battle. I don't think I need to elaborate on this one. We are at war. You may think that you are not in Ukraine, but make no mistake, you are at war. I was talking to Rana and Amo this other day, and we were talking about whether is it true that there is demonic activity in the West. Because where he comes from, where I come from, you don't have to convince me that there is demonic activity. Because I have seen it. I have experienced it firsthand. Is it somehow too difficult for demons to cross the ocean to come to the West? There are demons in this land of England. And they are active. And they are clever. And they are powerful. We are at war. They are just fighting as much against us as they are in Africa and India. Or maybe are we sleeping at the wheel? Whilst the enemy ravages in our midst. We are at war. Now, let us look at some of the verses that God, and then I'll, I'll finish in a moment, that God talks about Israel in particular, about these trumpets. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound, the, uh, sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is now at hand. In those days and in that time when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem. So what we notice now from the way God is using these trumpets, that he is using them as an announcement, as a statement. He is using them as an attention grabber when and God is about to act in a particular way. So what we see here from the Jews, the Jews looking at this, blowing the trumpet in the seventh month, they are blowing the trumpet because God said blow the trumpets, right? 
But what we see here from scripture is that this is not just a case of just blowing the trumpets. God is signaling to the Jews to say, there is going to come a day when God is going to blow the attention of the world. When he is going to progress in his program to call together Judah and Jerusalem. To call together his people, Israel. As we'll see in the next verse. And it shall come to pass in that day that the great trumpet shall be blown. And they shall come which were ready to perish in the land of Assyria, of Egypt. And shall worship the Lord in the holy mountain of Jerusalem. So, as Israel blows the trumpet on the seventh month, what scripture is telling us is that with the trumpet, he is heralding in advance a time that will come when scattered Israel, who is currently in the four wings of the earth, is going to be called back together. And they will worship God where they are supposed to. At the moment, there is no temple in Jerusalem. There is no place for them to worship. But in God's plan, there is going to come a trumpet, which is not just for the seventh month of the year, but a trumpet that is going to be an attention grabber to the world, to every Jew everywhere scattered throughout the world and they will be called again together to come to the land of Jerusalem where God intends to be worshipped by them. We have been doing, going through Romans lately and one of the things that we learned from Romans is that God is working on a plan. The times of the Gentile we spoke of last time's feast, the feast of weeks, sorry, the feast of Pentecost, which is the feast of weeks, and that in that age, as we have spoken, the church is growing. This is the church of the ingathering of both Jew and Gentile. For the first time, Gentiles are now actively participating in the things of God, and they are becoming the children of God. But the times of Gentiles in Romans tells us that is going to come to an end. That time is going to come to an end. And what happens next? We move from the feast of Pentecost. We move from the feast of weeks. We move from that period of quietness. And then we will move to the next feast of blowing of trumpets. When Israel will be gathered together. Now, I am not a prophet. Neither am I a son of a prophet. But looking at scripture, the only thing that I can see that God has said to us about Israel is that the next event that is going to happen is Israel going back into their land. Now, we're not talking about this piecemeal going back that is happening right now. There is going to be a clarion very clear, spectacular calling of Israel back to the land of Israel. Now, I don't know practically how it's going to work. 
But from all the four corners of the world, Israel will be brought again together. What about you and I? And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. This is Matthew chapter 24. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now, this is to you and me. The trumpet that is you, yours, as a New Testament believer, is now heralded with more detail now of the coming of the Son of Man. What, do we, what is the next step that we are expecting in God's calendar? I am not a genius, but what I see from scripture is that what is now going to happen next is the coming of the Lord. When we preach the, message, the gospel here on Lord's Day, I believe it with all my heart that some of the people that we preach to, we might be seeing them for the last time. Because I believe with all my heart that as far as I see scripture, there is nothing between the feast of weeks and the feast of blowing of trumpets. What is there is just the ingathering, which is the growing of the church that is happening. We know that these times will come to an end. Scripture has told us the times of Gentiles will come to an end. Scripture does not tell us how the times are going to come to an end. What scripture tells us is that the son of man is going to appear in heaven. If you read this particular chapter, it's a very interesting chapter. Because it tells you that there will be rumors of war and, and all that. Don't worry about it. There's Ukraine, World War III, and what, what, and what, what says, don't worry about it. Because when it happens, it's not going to be like something that is hidden. It's going to be like lightning. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. This is First Thessalonians. And with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. So meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we be with the Lord. So now, the scripture gives us more details now about this trumpet. He's giving us more flesh. He's putting more flesh into God's purpose with the trumpet of the blowing of the feast of the blowing of trumpets. Now it tells us that not only is the Son of Man going to appear, but also the dead shall rise, those that are his. They shall rise first. And then those that are alive shall be caught up with him.
I think that's the last slide that I have. I promised you that this is going to be a short sermon. If there is anything that I would like us to take from this particular ministry is that we are in the last days in, in the very sense of it. The Lord's coming is imminent and is at any time. We are now at that place where God's next activity, next act into this world will be to snatch us and take us home. We don't have time to be pussyfooting and worrying ourselves half of our lives with this world. We don't have time to be chasing after the riches of this world. We don't have time. Christ is on his way. If you believe that, you will go out on the streets next Saturday with us. Nobody will be stopping you because you'll be so passionate because you are literally snatching people from the jaws of death. When Christ comes, we're going to look at this next, in the next, next feast. The privileges that we have now will no longer be there. Our brother James spoke about him that letteth, that he is going to be removed. This time that we are experiencing, God is actively working to stop evil, to restrain evil. This is the most privileged time for people to be saved. But the next time that is coming, the environment will be different. The order will be different. This is why we need to preach the gospel now. And this is why we need to emphasize to people to get saved today. Let us pray. Our precious Lord and our good Savior, we are grateful that we are not a people that are just beating about in darkness, not knowing where we are going or what is happening. And yet, Lord, with that knowledge, Lord, we feel a sense of great responsibility